Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the Redemption Arc. I'm your host, Iman. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Um, Thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode. Um, If this happens to be the first episode that you've listened to of The Redemption Arc, just a a quick summary of the show is that The Redemption Arc is a Christian faith-focused podcast which aims to exalt, to edify, and to evangelize. And so that phrase might not make sense um, in, in isolation in that way. So if this is your first time listening to the show, I highly recommend that you go back to the very first first episode, which is um, aptly entitled Inaugural Episode, um, during which I one by one walk through each of those missions of the show. And I also provide my personal testimony just that you know where I'm coming from um, as uh, as the host of this podcast. Um, But yeah, I'm super glad to be back on the mic and speaking to you all. Um, I'm just really excited for what this episode is going to discuss. I I think that it actually came at the the perfect time um, because today's episode is going to talk about the idea of of slowing down and the role that that has within a person's faith walk. Um, and, And I'm saying that it came at the perfect time because part of the reason why this episode is coming out slightly later than I intended Um, because I really wanted this to come out about a week ago, is because I'm still very much adjusting to the the whirlwind of a schedule that is my schedule when I'm at college. So I'm back at school and I have been for a couple of weeks now. And I'm still just trying to catch up um, with the day to day and having sometimes like almost 12 hour days with maybe just a little break in between for meals and things like that. But it's definitely just an adjustment going from being at home and attending school virtually to being back on campus um, and just being just inundated with so many different responsibilities and expectations. Um, and so I'm really excited to explore this episode because it was something, it was an idea that I conceived at the very beginning of the year. So if you listen to the second episode of the podcast, um, I said how I'll explore my last two New Year's resolutions in a later episode. Um, and so congrats, you've made it to that episode. Um, that's what I'll talk about during this one. Um, and, and so now it's, you know, two months later, you'll be listening to this by the time it, it's March. And so um, it's definitely in the, in these two months since I first came up with these resolutions, it's definitely been difficult to put them into practice, right? Like that's the that's the challenge. It's it's not at all hard to come up with the list of things you want to achieve, but then to actually make take the practical implement the practical measures needed to achieve them is difficult. Um, and so this episode is uh, a welcome reminder for me of the the commitments that I made coming into 2022. And, and, and so, yeah, I just hope that this episode um, sparks some important questions for you all, or perhaps it will inspire you to, you know, explore what these, what the idea of slowing down um, and the other things I'll, that I'll discuss, what that will look like or could look like in your life, and that you explore these questions both with God and also members of your community, you know, the Christian community surrounding you, if you are connected to one. Um, because I, I think that this is like certainly very relevant to all of us and particularly to um, the, the college students or the younger adults um, in my life. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get, or not in my life, they're listening to the podcast rather. Um, and so I, I don't want to get into the meat of the episode before I actually pray us in. And so I'll do that first and then we'll get into it. 
Father God, we come to you humbly in prayer. Lord, we thank you for being so personal with us, for being a Lord, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the creator of the universe, but that you still value us and you still value relationship with us, intimate, personal relationship with us, so much that we can come to you at all times of the day and speak to you as a friend, speak to you as a father in prayer. Um, Lord, so we just want to recognize how this is such an honor and such a blessing to even be able to approach you in this way. Um, but Lord, we just thank you for keeping your hand over all of us um, in the week preceding this one and all the weeks before that. I thank you for every single person that is on the other end um, of the show that's that's listening, that's tuning in. Um, Lord, I thank you for, for speaking to them and, and, and pushing them towards this show. Um, they wouldn't be listening to this show if they didn't think they could get something out of it. So Lord, I pray that you you speak through me, you speak through my experiences, through my readings, my reflections, so that by the end of this episode, at least one heart, at least one soul is brought closer to yours, Lord. Um, and Lord, I just thank you for um, this opportunity that I have for the, the platform and the means and the, the, the gifts and the resources necessary to even be able to do something like this. Um, Lord, I just pray that you, in, in the midst of so much chaos around the world and um, even on probably a local scale for some of the people that are listening, Lord, I just, I thank you for being our source of strength, for being our source of stability. Um, and Lord, I just, I thank you for being there. I thank you for your omnipresence. I thank you for just who you are and who you've always been and will always continue to be. Um, we thank you for your consistency. We thank you that you are um, a never-ending source of love, um, that you never fail to keep your promises and protect your children. And Lord, we just we just thank you. And I pray all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So as I discussed in the introduction to the episode, today's episode will be a continuation of episode two, which is called A Fruitful New Year. Um, and during that episode, I discussed two of my intentions, resolutions, whatever you'd like to call them, for 2022. Um, and so the first resolution, just to serve as a reminder, was to better bear the fruits of gentleness and self-control. And when I say fruits, I'm specifically referring to the fruits of the Spirit, um, as outlined in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Um, and then the second goal was to love others as God loves me. So those are two very ambitious goals. Um, yeah, but the thing that really unifies them is that they're not things that I can just sort of will myself into doing, right? Like I can't just will myself into being more loving, into being more gentle, into having greater self-control. Um, rather, my ability to achieve those goals would be the product of God's work in me. And, you know, I, of course, can help you know get to that point by communing like in, intentionally communing with him day in and day out so I can better position myself for God to work inside of me right and and when, when, when it says when the word says walking in the spirit that's that's accomplished by actually like right spending time with God by by reading the word by by praying so I discussed all of that in the last episode but this episode is going to feel very different because my third and fourth resolution which I'm talking about today um they're they are far more practical so they are things that I can you know they're decisions about how to spend my time about um 
yeah, how I'm going to structure my life so that I can deeper connect with the Lord. Um, And so I just wanted to provide a preface for that so that you all understand just sort of what today's episode is going to feel like. But getting right into it, um, the, the first resolution, there's only two, that I'll be talking about today is to faithfully practice the Sabbath. So I'm sure the word Sabbath sounds pretty familiar to you if you have any sort of history with the Christian religious tradition, if you grew up in the church in any way. Um, but for anyone who wants a reminder or hasn't heard of the Sabbath, um, so we see the Sabbath mentioned, well, in many different places, but the place that I'll talk about it is in Exodus 20 verses 8 through 10. Um, and so that says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And so the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop. Um, And if I mispronounced that, um, please show me some grace and just let me know how to pronounce it. Um, Because these are just words that I've read as opposed to hearing out loud. But um, yeah, so that word means to stop. And so we can sort of infer from the from the, the text itself, like the scripture that I just read, that it means to stop work. Um, and, you know, the idea of the Sabbath stems from the fact that as we see in Genesis, the Lord created the earth in six days and then he rested on the seventh day and he made it holy. Um, and so when it comes to my personal history with the word Sabbath, that I mean, that was a word, like I said, it's a word that if you grew up in church, you've definitely heard. And so I was familiar with the idea of the Sabbath, or at least like in most in its most literal and like rudimentary definition, like what it meant. Um, and I'd heard of it because it's mentioned in the Ten Commandments, but I had no real concept of what that looked like in the real world. I don't think I thought that was something that people actually did. Like it wasn't anything I saw modeled in my home or by the people in my life. You know, my, my parents, like they worked on the weekends. And um, so there was there was no like commitment to having a day off, um, which is some, how, sometimes how people describe it. But I'm going to get into the fact that like the Sabbath isn't just a mere day off. But um, but basically, but then my, my relationship with the Sabbath started to change because a couple of years ago, my, my parents personally were convicted um, about observing the Sabbath. And so that started a couple of years ago. And so now anytime that I go home for breaks, like from school, um, in my household from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, um, my parents at least are observing the Sabbath, right? Like there's, my mom isn't going to cook any meals. My, My dad is in the home the whole weekend. Everyone is just like very, like they're resting. Um, yeah, it, it seems like, every, yeah, everyone's really like taking a load off, but then also like diving into the scriptures even more than they typically do. And so that's something that is happening around me. And so now it has entered my life in some way. Um, and so when I go home for breaks, like I, I kind of observe the Sabbath, but that I, I I'll sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll say, okay, yeah, I'll push my work off until Saturday night or, or do it on Sunday. Um, and I'll, you know, watch plenty of movies with my mom or something like that. But it's not very intentional and nor is it very faithful in the sense where it's not consistent. Um, And that kind of comes from the idea, from the fact that I have always thought that the Sabbath was very impractical for college students. So while I could like sometimes stick to it during breaks, but not even always, if I had a Sunday evening deadline, you could bet that I was doing my work during the day on on Saturday. <laughs> I was sort of excusing myself from the Sabbath for that week. Um, and I certainly wasn't observing it at any point 
um, when I was on campus, when I was really in the thick of the school year. Um, yeah, and so like I said, you know, that really came from the idea that as a college student, as someone who, you know, college students can very easily, you can spread your work out across all seven days or like not even spread your work out where right? you have work all seven days. Sundays, I have, you know, actual work meetings for my job on campus. And Saturdays, there are meetings for clubs and you have papers and readings to knock out. And the idea of sacrificing 24 hours for anything, even for God, right, felt kind of ludicrous to me um, in my first couple of years. It didn't feel like it was attainable and it felt like an unrealistic expectation um, to place on myself. Um, and so I don't, so, so yeah, like the thing is I'm framing it in in the, from the perspective of a college student, but that's also something that people, you know, long out of college also feel. And that's because our, our culture is, has become one that really glorifies, um, productivity culture and hustle culture. And so if those aren't phrases that you've heard of before, um, but there's definitely been like much more conversation about it in recent years, but productivity culture is the idea that your, your value, your worth stems from what you can produce. Um, and hustle culture, which some people call like rise and grind culture, right? It's the idea that like from the moment that you wake up to the moment that you lay your head down, you need to be working, you need to be grinding, you need to be chasing after that bag, you need to be chasing after that car, that house, that promotion, um, that internship, if, you know, if you're a college student, um, that, that you know, accolades of some sort, right? It's that idea. And so many people have committed their lives, like their lives look like that, even if, even if they're, they're, they're not, you know, they don't identify as like, members or subscribers to productivity and hustle culture, their life, their lives are direct reflections of that very mindset. Um, and so as a, as a victim of, as a victim of productivity and, and hustle culture, um, I certainly wasn't thinking about using the free time that I, I had. And so I guess I'm talking about really just up until this past semester. So I'm really talking like my first and second year of college. Um, I wasn't thinking about using the free time that I did have and put in, you know, using it as an opportunity to focus on God, right? To intentionally spend that time with him. That wasn't really how I was thinking about using the free hours that I had on the weekend. If I had time, I was going to like spend time with with friends which we can get into that because that can also very much be a part of your sabbath but you know i'm watching netflix i'm napping um but i just i wasn't thinking about a sabbath and so i would say that that mindset followed me basically up until this past semester and it wasn't really until a book that i read in the very last week of 2021 per the recommendation of a couple friends that my idea, like my understanding of the Sabbath and the role that I wanted it to play in my life really changed. And so the name of that book, I'm going to be citing it quite a bit. So from this point forward, if I say the book, this is the book I'm talking about. Um, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's by John Mark Comer. He is a pastor that is based, I think, in Oregon, some some Pacific Northwest state, right? Um but, you know, the title alone is intriguing, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, because f for a lot of people, for me too, right, the idea of hurry isn't, it's not great. Like, we don't necessarily maybe want it to be a part of our lives, but so many of us, but so many of us have accepted it as um, in a sort of unerasable feature of our lives. But yeah, we don't frame it as, you know, detrimental to our, our, our faith walk in any way. It's just like, oh, like, that's just the par part 
that's just a part of being um, a 21st century human and more specifically like a 21st century 20 something who's still like trying to work towards the life that they're looking for. Um, but the core argument of this book is that hurry is detrimental to our spiritual health and that it is a, sort of a roadblock in the progress and the, the healthy development of a of a Christian's relationship with God. And so he he outlines four different um, spiritual disciplines um, that he thinks that people need to focus more on um, and that, you know, yeah, you, you aren't going to intentionally focus on if you are ruthlessly eliminating hurry in your life. And one of those is the Sabbath. And so I'm going to talk about sort of the way that John Mark Comer broke it down and then also the way that scripture talks about the Sabbath and rest and um, all of those great things. So the one way that John Mark Comer frames the Sabbath is as a gift to humanity from the Lord. He writes that there's something about the human condition that makes us want to hurry our way through life as fast as we possibly can to rebel against the limitations of time itself. Due to our immaturity, dysfunction, and addiction, God has to command his people to do something deeply life-giving to rest. Um, and so already, I think that, I mean, that really captures, right? Like the argument about the book is that we live in a culture I'm talking about, I'm mostly talking about like American culture, but we see this in a lot of other, like, I don't know, um, developed countries and, um, where, where, yeah, a lot of, uh, just a lot of other countries, but also I would also say there are a lot of plenty of countries that literally have like siestas, um, built into, like everybody's daily lives. And so rest is something that they prioritize a lot more. So I'll speak from the American context, right? Where there is this, you know, in a country where we have like the idea of the American dream, which is like, if you grind as much as you can, if you work hard, then like success will come your way. And so ideas like that, like when that's a fundamental tenet (laughs) of your culture, you're going to have you know, a society where people are constantly just sort of chasing after something, chasing after this nebulous idea of success. And they accomplish that by packing their schedules beyond belief, exhausting themselves, um, grinding themselves into dust um, in pursuit of these goals. And so, right. And so John Mark Comer, he discusses that. He says how, yeah, due to our immaturity, dysfunction and addiction, right? Addiction to um, doing as much as we can because we we think it's going to get us somewhere. Um, that God commanded his people to do something that gives us life, right? To rest. And um, it, it's it's countercultural. Everything that in this book, right, is countercultural. And that's why it's so great. Um, the idea that rest is something that we should prioritize. Yeah, just prioritize so highly. I think that as conversations like conversations about hustle culture and productivity culture popularize, um, many more people are recognizing the importance of rest and the importance of rejecting the notion that you are what you produce and things like that. But it's one thing to recognize that on a theoretical level and be like, yeah, I subscribe to these, or I don't subscribe to these ideas anymore. But then it's another thing to actually implement that in your life in a practical way by ruthlessly eliminating hurry by you know taking these measures to to cut down on things and to slow down um but 
yeah, so like I said, John Mark Comer says that Sabbath, the Sabbath is a gift to humanity from the Lord. And he talks about how God's decision to rest on the seventh day, because he certainly didn't have to, right? Like he's God, like no, he didn't have to rest, but he chose to. He rested, he rested on that seventh day and he made it holy. That then ingrained in humanity a sort of rhythm, a natural rhythm, a natural tempo. And for generations, we have tried to challenge it. Um, and he says how, the reason we've tried to challenge it is because of the restlessness of man. Um, and so he, he provided two really great quotes that I, that sort of exemplify this idea of the restlessness of man. The first is from St. Augustine and it says, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I would rewind that one because that's really great. You've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rest, rests in you. Um, and then Dallas Willard, he said that desire is infinite, partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all our needs. We are only at home in God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, but it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. But it, but it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. And I think that is so profound because I think that really is what we see today, right? We, we People... And I'll do a whole separate episode on like idolatry because that's just like that deserves its own conversation or like 10, right? <laughs> but it, yeah, it, this ties in with the idea of idolatry and that people, you know, God has, right, he wrote this desire for the infinite. And by the infinite, we mean like, they mean God, right? And, and existing in eternal eternity with him sharing eternal life with him and his kingdom um, and wrote that on all of our hearts. And so we as humans have this infinite desire, but we live in this finite world. And so as Dallas Willard said, we displace this desire upon things that will certainly lead to destruction and they lead to destruction because they're not God, because they're not the actual answer. They're these sort of shabby substitutes that we, um, that we'll find. Um, and so this, they can take a lot of different forms. It can be right. Our jobs, our, our schoolwork, um, titles and accolades that the world gives us, right? So chasing after those things. But it can also be um, our relationships, be they platonic or romantic. It can be worldly pleasures, even ourselves, right? Thinking that we are the answer to this desire, infinite desire written on our hearts. There's a there's whole spiritual movement centered explicitly on that. And they get more popular each day. Or people think that like, you know, it's in me, it's in me, I'm the one, I am the answer, right? And essentially worshiping their themselves when really it's 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 God who's going to provide who who is the only one who can make us whole and make us complete and fully satisfy us. Um, and so scripture provides the antidote to the restlessness of the human heart that has been present since the beginning of time. And so Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's, you know, that's an often quoted scripture, but it is so wonderful, right? It's such a, even just reading it, it's like you're taking a load off because you're hearing Jesus say that it's not, um, 
that's right. We live in a world, right, that makes us feel weary and burdened and um, creates people, you know, it cre- makes people down, feel downtrodden and feel just so overwhelmed, right? And he is the antidote to that. He is the solution um, to the restlessness of our hearts. Because when you come to him, you realize, oh, wow, like, this like he is all I ever needed and everything else that I was putting all of my trust and my faith and my attention and my time into it really wasn't doing the job (laughs) and so the way that this connects to the Sabbath is that the Sabbath is an invitation to stop as I said like that's what Shabbat means Um, and it's an, an invitation to step away from the busyness of the world it's an invitation out of that whirlwind that rat race that so many so many of us have become um, enslaved to, um, and rather it's an opportunity to spend intentional time with our creator and to delight. Um, and so I think, um, that that's the part that I got really excited about when I was reading this book and reading more about the Sabbath and the function that can play in our lives. Because in 2021, I really began to experience the joy of being a Christian, the joy that we experience in the Lord. And joy is the second of those fruits of the spirit that I mentioned um, are outlined in Galatians 5. Um, and so the Sabbath is an opportunity to take 24 hours out of your schedule to intentionally bask in the joy of your redemption, of your freedom that we have through Christ, where you get to celebrate that and celebrate him and celebrate who he is and who like the role that he, not the role, but like, I don't want to say the role that almost feels like I'm like undermining him because like, you know, lots of things can play a role, but like the fact that like this incomparable role, right, that he plays in your life um, and the Sabbath is an opportunity to celebrate that. And so the Sabbath is an opportunity for rest, for worship um, and, and for play. That was one thing that the book really emphasized. And the beautiful thing is that um, these don't ha- these words, rest, worship, play, you know, they, they don't have to, you know, delight. They don't have to be interpreted very narrowly. That can look different for different people. And so the, the type of rest and worship that I'm very excited to engage in um, as I make the commitment to faithfully practice the Sabbath um, is spending more time in and with God's creation. So in God's creation, meaning in nature, um, yeah, just enjoying the beautiful world that he's blessed us with and like placed us inside of and um, yeah, like it was over summer 2021. I became really obsessed with like sunsets. I think that's like a very common obsession for people, but I don't know. Maybe I just hadn't seen enough beautiful ones until this past summer, but like just, you know, making time to watch the sunset and, um, I don't know, riding my bike, my bike, I said my bike, like I have one, but like getting a bike and like riding, riding a bike outside, things like that would be really great. And then also I, I said, I'd circle back to the way that community can play a part in Sabbath. And so, um, I, yeah, the second part was how I said I wanted to spend more time with God's creation. So that's in the company of good friends. I have friends who I, I mentioned are already practicing the Sabbath. Others who like me are trying to make that commitment in the new semester. And so um, that means we can hold each other accountable, but also we can spend our Sabbaths together and spending time in laughter and in fellowship um, with other people is such a beautiful way to celebrate the Sabbath. Um, and of course, all of these things need to be accompanied by spending time in scripture, spending time in prayer, communing with the Lord, right? Like that's, that's the foremost focus, but I want to emphasize that it can be even more than that. It can be celebrating him in these sort of unique and unconventional ways by spending time with, with his handy, with his handiwork, which is what human beings are, um, or in, you know, the world that he's sculpted about us, the natural world. Um, and so, 
one more quote from the book about the Sabbath that I wanted to include. Um, John Mark Comer, he wrote that the Sabbath isn't just a 24-hour time slot in your weekly schedule. It's a spirit of restfulness that goes with you throughout your entire week, a way of living with ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer. And that leads me into the second resolution I'll talk about today, which is to live a slower, simpler, quieter life centered on Christ. Um, So since high school and perhaps even before then, I've lived a hyper busy life, right? Sleeping um, very little, at least in high school and then in college during like sleeping very weird hours in order to push myself to do more and to be more. Um, I think that I talked about this in my first episode in my testimony, but I just was a very career motivated, very ambitious person. Um, I think ambitious was probably one of the words that if you knew me during high school, um, probably would have been one of the first words that you thought of to describe me. Even friends of mine, I'm sure would have like that probably, yeah, probably would have been one of the first things they used um, to describe me. Um, And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, But as time has progressed, um, my sort of priorities have changed. But right, speaking about the idea of my my hyper busy life, my hyper busy schedule and just filling every single minute with with club meetings and with commitments and um, schoolwork and everything that very much reflected the fact that I was in, in some way storing my treasures on earth. And that I was buying into the world's lies, that my value was attached to what I could produce or achieve. And even if I didn't think that, like, in terms of, like, what I could presently produce or achieve, I definitely was thinking about it in the long term. Because the po- there's no point in grinding during high school if you're not, if you don't, you grind in high school so you can get to college. And you grind, get into a good college. And then you grind during college so you can get a wonderful job, right? And so I might have been thinking more long term in terms of, like, oh, you know, my worth is, my value is attached to what I can produce or achieve. But I was still thinking that. I was working towards this idea of success, um, the world's idea of success. And so that's sort of, that's why I entitled this episode, um, or honestly, the title might change by the time that I publish this. But as of right now, the working title is Confessions of a Recovering Girl Boss. And that is, (laughs) that's because, you know, people love to use the word girl boss jokingly, and I kind of am too. But that's sort of what I was, or like I was trying to grow up to become one. You know, this um, super, yeah, just like this working woman that was on top of the world. And like, I honestly very well might still become, you know, like a person who has a good job and who does professionally well, but like, that's no longer like what, where my heart lies. Um, And and I think one thing that I, I'm almost reluctant to share, but I feel like it really, it really exemplifies like the mindset that I had for a good chunk of my life is that back in high school, if you asked me what my greatest fear was, I would literally utter these words. So this isn't like some hypothetical that I'm like retroactively, retroactively imposing on myself. It's like this actually happened. If you asked me what my greatest fear was, it was mediocrity. And to even know that I used to say that makes me cringe because what do I even, what did I mean by that? Did mediocrity mean a life that wasn't flashy, a life where my name wasn't known by everyone in my state or across the country or across the world? Um, And also, wouldn't that mean that nearly every person in my my life that I knew was mediocre by those standards? (laughs) Um, And so I've since realized that a life cannot be mediocre if it's spent in service to God and living out the purpose that he's given you. And that purpose you'll have, you know, 
its own it'll look unique for each of us in the sense in, in terms of like the form that that will take but at its core that purpose is glorifying him it's making his name known it's um you know yeah you using every fiber of our being to bring honor to him and so yeah I, i'm no longer afraid of in quotation marks mediocrity um and instead i'm just concerned about living a life that is in alignment with god's plan for me um and that's the truth that i'm living with from this point forward and so the way that you know all of this ties in with that second resolution that i said um is because right my ambition and a lot of people's ambition is to amass a long list of accolades and titles that the world glorifies that the world says that we should all be striving for this flashy glamorous life um you know you have a lot of money you have the nice house you have you know you have the you have the, the big house the big wonderful mansion you have the beautiful car you have that um the most stunning spouse by your side all of these things um, but what John Mark Comer discusses in the book and what scripture points us to is something very, very different. And so the scripture that I want to take y'all to is first Thessalonians four eleven, which reads, and this isn't the full, the full, uh, verse, but it begins, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And that is so countercultural. And that is so revel it's borderline revolutionary, right? Because that's not what people are striving for. And that's certainly not what I was striving for. A quiet life, a humble life, a life where not a lot of people know what's going on, you know, what's what's happening to you. It's, it's not a life that maybe, you know, the the newspapers or the magazines want to broadcast your every waking moment. Um, it's a quiet life. And, and so that is my prayer. My prayer is that the Lord will help me to figure out what that looks like for me in 2022 and beyond, of course. And so a really great quote from the book um, is uh, Comer writes, free from the need to do more, get more, be more, free from the spirit of restlessness that enslaves our society, I feel another spirit, the Holy Spirit of restful calm settle over my whole person. And I find that my ordinary life is enough. Y'all, there is a, there's sort of been like a cultural, like society-wide death of the, of contentment with ordinary life. So few people, including myself, right? We, we were, we're constantly working towards something far off. We're looking towards the next chapter. We're always thinking about elevating, about how can I, how can this next chapter be even better than the next? But we're not think, framing that in terms of like, you know, closeness with God or closeness with the people in our lives. We're thinking about, okay, so by then I'll have the, I'll have that degree. Or by then I'll have that that new license. By then I'll have uh, that new what's it called tax. I'll be in the new tax bracket, right? Like those are those are the goals that people that people are framing their life with, and that's that's the direction to which they're orienting. But what I'm trying to focus on, and what I'm charging y'all to also do, is to instead orient your life so that it is set it is centered and set on Christ, right? And if and if Paul in First Thessalonians, Paul being one of you know the greatest messengers of the gospel to ever live, is telling us to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, I, I yeah, I, I challenge y'all to think about what that can look like for you in practical terms. Instead of always thinking about it, it, you know, we think about elevating in terms of very worldly standards, you know, using very worldly measures. But what if elevating 
we think about that as just you know we're being brought higher but higher in terms of being brought closer to to the one that lives in the heavens of what the highest of heavens i feel like i worded that really weirdly but i hope you know what i mean i'm trying to say yes you know focus on moving up but by up i mean setting your eyes on high setting your eyes on god right like that's the direction towards we need to be uh towards like we need to be moving um, as opposed to always trying to advance and trying to girl boss our way um to the top of the food chain um and so yeah, and so when I say a slower, simpler, quieter life centered on Christ, um, another way that I want to accomplish that is by cutting down on my intake of what Andrew Sullivan calls the white noise of secularism. So instead of filling my mind with right the standards of the world, which if what I'm trying to you know trying to express have been so perverted in the sense or so distorted, where they're they're so. Um, material and things like that and so in cutting down my intake of the white noise of secularism and filling myself with the things of god um, and that also will look like moving at a slower pace and with intentional quiet so as to find beauty in, in the lord's creation and finding the beauty that surrounds me because we serve a good God and because he has imbued this world with goodness, despite its brokenness, despite its fallen nature, he still has authored so much beauty and there's so many reminders of his grace, right? So many glimpses of God um, that we can get on a daily basis. And I, I and so many other people as these as you know, we're become so technology obsessed. We've become so so modernity obsessed that we have closed ourselves off to the beauty and the simplicities of this world. And that's what I'm trying to reconnect with. So, and like a very practical ways. And so the book hi- highlights some very practical ways. And so for me, um, some ways that I plan to do this is by like when I'm walking down the street, I have like 10 to 13 minute long walks to all of my classes. None of them are like a two minute walk or anything like that um and my first instinct is to always put my airpods in blast some music or listen to a podcast or something right like just constantly stimulating myself but something i'm trying to be more intentional about is not doing that and actually just like soaking in the sounds of other people speaking or of literal birds chirping which sounds like the greatest of like the greatest cliche imaginable but i literally heard that today my friend and i were leaving class today we were just walking outside and we were like wow like the birds are really chirping at this hour like i barely even noticed them but we did in that moment because we were present being present with one another and being present with the world around us um and on the yeah on that topic yeah being more present in all of my interactions never discounting any conversation even if it's like a 30 second long interaction with a barista or something like really being present for that and engaging with that other human being across from me the handiwork of god across from me um and really recognizing their dignity um another thing about slowing down like i've been trying to avoid like jaywalking is super popular in my city that I go to school in, I mean, probably is in every city, but like, it's just like such a common thing amongst like the students at my school. And I do it all the time. Even if I, even if I'm not in a rush, I just do it. So something I've tried to, I've tried to do recently is not jaywalk unless I'm genuinely in a rush and I'm like, have to be somewhere within like 10, you know, within a minute. And I only have, um, 10 seconds to get there or something right um but otherwise like just waiting, just waiting, even if no, no cars are coming and there's like, perfect opportunity to cross just waiting because like why rush 
who knows who I could run into if I just sit and just like really wait in that moment. Um, and so there's a quote from C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, which I think really perfectly explains all of this and just captures it. So he writes, the humans live in time, but Jesus destines them to eternity. He therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself and to the point of time which they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. He would therefore have them continually concerned either with eternity, which means being concerned with him or with the present, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. There is so much value in slowing down, in simplifying our lives, in opening our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to what God is communicating to us in that moment. And that can be right, like what he like what he might be speaking to you in your own mind, in your, your mind's eye, all of that, you know, through prayer, but even just in those simple ways of walking down the street and seeing other human beings, of seeing like insects and animals and seeing like just parts of nature that are just so easy to overlook because so many of us have our eyes set not on high you know towards him or the world around us but instead just to the next chapter we have these elaborate 10-year plans and we're constantly just pushing and striving and hoping that one day we'll finally get to that point where we're satisfied where we're content where we're happy where we've made it y'all we can make it right now the 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 the, the greatest sort of the greatest goodness that we can find in this world, the full content, the fullest contentment and satisfaction that we can ever get our hands on is achievable through Christ, through communion with your creator and through, yeah, slowing down and spending that intentional time with him and and the world that he's blessed us in, despite all of its flaws and despite all of the bad things that might happen here because this is a world that's overrun by sin, but he's still speaking to you in this moment. I think that's something that I for far too long ignored and didn't allow myself to really just um, enjoy and sit in and bask in and, and be grateful for. And so I think that's just sort of like the message of, of this episode. And, and the thing that I'm charging all of you to think about is what, what would slowing down um, yeah, what would slowing down on a daily basis and really just allowing the Lord to speak to you? What does that look like? How are you defining satisfaction and contentment? How are you defining happiness? How are you defining success? What are, what are, where, in what direction are your ambitions oriented? Is it your ambition to live a quiet life or is it your ambition to live the flashiest, loudest and um, proudest life you possibly could? Um, I, I think these are all just questions that, we're not encouraged to ask ourselves because the world moves at the speed of light. And if you don't, you feel like you're being left behind. But I promise you that's not the case. Um, because, you know, there's a wonderful quote that I, maybe I'll tag it in like the, the description for the show because I can't remember off the top of my head. But it just talks about like the, the, the pace of love, the speed of love and how it's so slow and how it's in the slowness and it's in the quiet and it's in the quiet that we can really connect with our creator. So those are the goals that I have for 2022. And I really encourage y'all to think about in practical terms, um, what that can look like for you and just pray, pray to the Lord to reveal, to reveal that to you. Um, but yeah, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I hope you got something from it. I'm sure there are a lot of recovering or current girl bosses, um, uh, listening on the other end. Um, 
But there's hope for us, y'all. There's hope for us, and his name is Jesus, and he will give us rest, and he is the antidote to the restlessness of our hearts. And um, yeah, so turn to him. You don't have to look to the outside world. You don't have to look to the things that this world glorifies because who you need and all you need, he's right there and he's knocking at the door of your heart. Um, So yeah, I'll just wrap it up there. So to close each episode, I typically like to give you all a scripture recommendation and a song recommendation, but I think that the scripture that I shared during the the body of the episode, I would love for you all to take those and really just meditate on those and to ask God to speak to you through those verses and just let you know, um, yeah, like how you can really embrace those as truths for your life. So as a reminder, those scriptures were Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And the second was 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. Um, and so the song recommendations I have today are um, Talking to Jesus by Elevation Worship and Maverick City Music. That's a very popular one. Um, and I recommend that because I think that we all should be talking to Jesus as much as we can. Um, there, de- there definitely will be an episode probably very soon about prayer and just the spirit that spiritual discipline and just how crucial that is to having a great relationship with Jesus. Um, but in the meantime, uh, you can listen to that song and I can give you some, some advice. Um, and then the second song recommendation is called simple by beach W. Um, that's a, a very cool one that I heard for the first time very recently and I hadn't heard of that artist before. So definitely send me any recommendations by them. If you are familiar with that group, um, but yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Um, be sure to share your thoughts on the episode and I'll talk to y'all soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Redemption Arc. To stay connected and receive show updates, follow at The Redemption Arc Pod on Instagram. Once again, that's at the Redemption Arc Pod on Instagram. You can also connect through email. Feel free to send prayer requests, personal testimonies, your thoughts on previous episodes or ideas for future ones, along with any questions you may have to the Redemption Arc Podcast at gmail.com. The purpose of this show is to edify the family of faith as well as engage those who are not yet believers but want to find out what this Christian walk could look like for them. I want the Redemption Arc to be as interactive of a platform as possible, so please do not hesitate to reach out. I'll see you on the next episode, but in the meantime, stay prayerful, stay vigilant, and never forget in whom you are redeemed. Thanks, y'all.